Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guide, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hello, hello, it's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Robert Marsh, a dad who writes words for a living. That's that's it. When I asked him how he wants me to introduce him, he's like, man, I'm just, I'm just a simple guy. I just write words. I'm a dad. I have some kids. So he's the co-founder of the Copywriter Club. He's a direct response copywriter. And um, the, the whole topic for today, the purpose of this was originally we, we were going to do this. Um, he's going to be part of the What's Working Now in Copywriting Bundle, which has been and gone. But um, since that's gone, we thought, well, why not record a podcast or just something? And I said, well, what, what can we do that's interesting, that's uh, a bit different? Because all the copywriting podcasts are the same. You hear the same stuff over and over again. And uh, so he's got some interesting stuff, I think, on salaries and surveys and how people set prices. They've just done a big study or something like that. So I'm excited to get into that. But before we do, Rob, how you going, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So quick little intro there. Uh, maybe give people a little bit more of a background on, on you know, who you are, what you do, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So just have some context. <laughs> Of course. I, uh, like you said, I'm just a copywriter. I've been writing direct response copywriter for a long time. I started back in the nineties, um, you know, working for a, a product company. They, they were called the Franklin day planner company. Um, people used to joke. They were the, the people who made, um, it cool for men to carry purses because there's these big, huge paper buying paper, um, day planners in leather binders and whatever. And I wrote catalog copy and seminar copy for them. Spent some time at an ad agency um, and then um, eventually found my way into a startup running marketing and some operation stuff for them. Um, worked for Hewlett Packard for a while doing marketing and, and operations for the startup as they were acquired and uh, ran my own SaaS company and then came back to copywriting because it is kind of the thing that I love. And over the last couple of years, have worked really closely with Kira Hug, who's my partner in the Copywriter Club. And we help copywriters develop their businesses. You know, a lot of copywriters are really good at the writing side, but aren't great at the marketing of their own businesses. And, it, you know, we see the shoemakers, kids kind of uh, thing happening all the time where copywriters have a hard time writing for their own businesses. And so we help them do better at that so that they can attract their ideal clients, build a better business and do the thing that they love in less time than working all the time, all, you know, all week long. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the short version of, yeah. uh, of my bio. Yeah. Nice, man. So you've done a lot of stuff. And the thing with, I mean, copywriters, you write, like it's the, the learning how to write copies fairly straightforward. You read the books, you write, hand write some sales pages, you get some coaches, whatever. But it's to get in clients and that's the thing that scares people. I think there's a big emotional block for people. And then there's just how do you do it? Like there's so many different ways to do and you do a little bit of one way and it doesn't work. So you think it doesn't work. But anyway, so tell me, what do you got on pricing? You said you've done a salary survey, something interesting like that. Yeah, we uh, about once a year, we work with a bunch of other copywriting groups. So Copy Hackers, Business of Copy, Copy Chief, and we ask them to share out our survey to their membership. And after a few weeks of collecting data, we uh, tabulate all of the results. And, you know, we've asked people about how they price their projects, uh, exactly what they charge per project for about 15 different kinds of projects. And then also ask people about their annual income from copywriting. And uh, we just got through tabulating this last year's uh, survey and have some, uh, some, I think they're 
pretty cool learnings as far as uh, you know what the data shows. Yeah, well, let's get into it. Let's let's what's what's the most interesting thing you learned? The weirdest of the, yeah. Okay, well, number one thing that I think may surprise everybody is that uh, experience doesn't actually matter all that much in setting prices. And I, I think copywriters who've been doing this for a while, or copywriters who are relatively high paid, they understand this uh, already. But so many copywriters that we talk to are, are they come to us and say, "Well, I, I can't charge you know three thousand dollars for the sales page because I don't have the experience, or I don't have the numbers, or I've only done three, and and I don't have the same experience that somebody else who's charging a high uh, amount for this kind of a project charges." And when we looked at the data, what we found is that. Um, the, the newest copywriters, so copywriters with less than a year's worth of experience, when we tabulated up the results, the top quartile or the top 25% of them earned more for the work that they did than the bottom quartile of copywriters with 10 plus years of experience. Uh, in fact, that top quartile of copywriters with no experience earned more than half of copywriters with two to three years of worth of experience and um, almost half of those with, you know, between three and nine years of experience. And so there are a significant number of copywriters just starting out who are charging and earning a lot more than copywriters who've been doing this thing for years. And the takeaway from that is, I don't think you can attribute that to luck. It's that some people realize really quickly that they can charge for the value they create rather than charging uh, a beginning rate and feeling like they've got to earn their stripes and they've got to put in their years and they've got to have the results or that they've got to, you know, have done everything 10 times before they can take on, uh, you know, a higher priced, project. And that's just not true. Uh, mm. the, the data shows that. Yeah. It's so interesting because I've worked with people. I've got one of my um, coaching clients or was a coaching client. He just, he just took off so quickly. And I think it was in, he'd done a few other business things, but he hadn't been writing copy at all. And then he started writing, he just had this, this energy, this discipline and work ethic. And within a couple of months, he's got, I don't know, five, six grand a month coming in. And whereas I've met other people who've been doing it, they've been, oh, I've been working for a couple of years to just polish it. I'm doing some work on Upwork and I'm making a couple hundred bucks here. And, you know, it's just, it's insane. It's like you start to see that the people who earn the most money, it's not really about you. I mean, you've got to be able to write some copy, but your skill is not really, sorry to say, it's not the main piece. It's how you market and present yourself and where you get your clients from and, all, you know, how you present the value and frame it and everything like that. So it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it's again, you know, I, I think that copywriters who realize the or who quickly identify the kinds of projects that they're able to charge more for, you know, and usually that's going to be a sales oriented, you know, email, sales page, landing page, that kind of a thing. Um, but the, the faster they identify the kinds of value that they're creating, they're doing the math and saying, okay, if this sales page that I'm charging X dollars for brings in $50,000 or $100,000, or, you know, in some cases, five, six times that, right? Charging $2,000 for that is severely limiting uh, the value that you've actually created. You're creating an asset for a client that they're going to use for years and years and years, quite possibly, to do the same thing. And so, um, it, the faster that we realize that as copywriters, I think the more able that we're, we, we are to raise our prices and charge what, uh, what we've, for the value that we've actually created. Right. So do you think it's like a, it's a, it's just a belief thing. Like it sounds like it's part of, it's just understanding that, that this is even a fact, that this is even a thing, but then there's obviously some kind of, some copywriters are better at say selling themselves or getting on the phone and knowing what to say. Oh, 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, mindset plays a part. You know, if if you come in with the mindset that, hey, I've, I've got to put in my years, I've got to do the work before I can you know charge for it. Of course, you're not going to get the same uh, prices for, for your projects. Um, but I and identifying the kinds of work that actually makes the most money. You know, if, if you're focused entirely on blog posts, if you're focused on uh, PPC ads, you know, you're not going to be able to charge $5,000 for a Facebook ad, you know, or for a, a Google ad, right? So identifying the kind of work that is attached to those uh, higher results and that it's really easy for the client to say, oh, I can, I can definitely see the value here. Uh, whereas, you know, so I think that's part of it as well. It's really identifying those kinds of, uh, the kind of work that brings in that kind of value um, is, is definitely part of it. Yeah. I mean, one, it was interesting you mentioned blog posts because I never did any content. I was always like, yeah, I, I can't make money with that. Like there's no one's going to pay for that. But there's a fair amount of people out there. One of the guys in this bundle recently, he, his whole approach that he teaches copywriters and that worked for him is to do like a long form blog post. You think of like a 2000 word blog post on whatever, and then you sell that to a client. And some of them will pay 1500 bucks, two grand for it, which is maybe not, you know, it's not that much. But if you do three, you say you do four, one of those a week, four of those a month, that's yeah. say six, seven, eight grand a month. And compared to a sales page, a blog post is, you, I mean, you can pull off, if you know the topic well, you can do that in a couple of hours. Yeah, no doubt. No so, doubt. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, part of that too is identifying the right industries, uh, you know, and, and making sure that, that you're working for the clients that have money. You know, if you're, if you're working with clients, maybe it's a, a mom and pop shop, maybe it's a startup that's unfunded, you're going to have a harder time charging for the value you create than if you're working for a big enterprise type company that expects to pay. I mean, they're paying their ad agencies $3,000 for a blog post. Uh, So they're going, they're expecting that the freelancers are going to charge, you know, $1,500, $2,000. And uh, I've, I've charged that much for blog. You know, I've had $1,500 blog posts. Uh, It's not impossible to do, but you've got to find the right clients to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So what else, what what else is on this survey? I'm guessing there's a lot of other things that you, uh, that you learned. Yes. So the, uh, well, let me, let me ask you of all of the things that we measured, uh, I'm going to ask you and put you on the spot. Um, you know, we, we asked about age, we asked about experience, uh, which we've just talked about. We asked about ethnicity. We asked about sex. So, you know, male, female, uh, we asked about niches, um, of all of those things, uh, education levels. I I don't know if I mentioned that country of origin languages that people speak of all of those things. What do you think makes the biggest difference in what people charge. And I, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. So, well, what, so what was the list again? So, know, but, okay, so we asked about all things the different like, things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So age, experience, yeah. um, sex, male, female. Yeah. Um, we asked about education levels, language, the primary language that they spoke, um, where they live. Uh, we asked about the kinds of work that they do. We asked about niche. Um, trying to think if there's, that's, that's, that's a pretty good um, probably the roundup. so you're saying which 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 one of those things makes the difference or where they yeah, the what most makes money? the biggest difference probably the niche yeah you're right you're right so this is something else that you know we hear a lot about from people they're like I don't want to choose a niche because I'm going to limit myself limit all the opportunities but um, we asked people you know who we had them identify and say I work in a single niche and no others. And we had a, another group that have a niche, but they work in several niches and then copywriters who had no niche at all. And when we looked at the averages, this is true of both the average and the median uh, of the numbers. Um, if you have a niche and don't work in any others, you just have a single niche, you make 96% more money than those who have no niche at all. It's almost yeah. double. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, this is, 
if if we were looking at you know a handful like three four copywriters, I say okay, the numbers aren't there to support that. But this is almost five hundred copywriters looking at this. The disparity is so big that that we just can't argue with that. And so you know, if you think that having a niche is going to limit your opportunities, that it might limit the kind the variety of work you do, but is not going to limit your income. And it's not going to limit the kinds of clients that you can work with. Um, and so having a niche is, is amazing. In fact, the group that have a niche, and, but they work in many niches, they earn 50% more money, almost 50% more money. Yeah. So, I mean, even, even just having that niche and talking about it does something for your income. And obviously, we can get a lot of reasons why that happens. But I'm sure you've seen that in your own business. Well, yeah. I mean, back 10 years ago, when I was just getting started, I realized, I mean, I kind of did this kind of like half well i feel like like in retrospect because i was just doing copywriting and you know anything really sales pages emails whatever and eventually i'm like well i'm just competing with every other copywriter like i need to stand for something so i'm like well i'm going to be the autoresponder guy and then i'll be just the guy who does emails but where i made the mistake i think is that i i niched down based on the the the, the medium you could say under email which some people some people prefer that way but now in, if i was to do it all over again i would more pick a an actual niche. And so it's more yeah. based on like the topic or so I'd focus on that. So I kind of, I kind of did it, but I could have done it better. Like in retrospect, so that's how I did it, but it really still worked. Um, Cause people would go to conferences. They, my, my thinking was, you know, someone says to you, oh, I really need a copywriter. If I, I need some email stuff. Do, do you know anyone? And they go, Oh, I don't know anyone. I know the guy, the guy who does eat, like all he does is, eat, you know? And so like, like it's like thinking about these things. The same works with the niche when oh, I'm selling weight loss stuff. And I need a copyright. Oh, I got a weight loss copyright. Like that's all he does. He's the best. He's like tons of copyrights out there, but this guy's the best for weight loss. It's yeah. such a natural sell. So um, it definitely works for sure. It, it makes sense. The, the other thing, you know, while we're talking about niches is, is we hear this a lot, but uh, when you choose it or when you hear people talking about a niche, they say, oh, you've got to choose a niche, but it ought to be finance or it ought to be SaaS mm. because though, or maybe health and wellness, right? Nutraceuticals, you know, vitamin supplements, whatever, because that's where the money is. And mm. we asked or, or we, we took a look at the niches that people told us that they worked in for copywriters that were earning at least $100,000. And there were 36 different uh, niches that came up in our survey and not all of them are, you know, SAS tech finance. You know, we had people writing in agriculture, uh, transportation, writing for labor unions, um, you know, photographers, um, somebody who, uh, who was writing in higher ed, uh, somebody who's writing for, you know, women owned brands. And so these are, these are niches that, you know, don't, people don't say, oh yeah, choose a niche, but make sure it's agriculture so that you can make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or more. Like nobody says that. Yeah. And, I, and I think the takeaway from that is you can make money in almost any niche. I won't say every niche because there are probably some that are really difficult to make money in. But, but if you are the go-to person and there is a feasible market there, people who need copy and you can create value for them, you can make a six figure income in almost any niche that there is. Yeah. I spoke to another one of the guys, Jay White, I spoke to for that bundle is he was talking about one of his clients working in uh, miniature dollhouse furniture. Like, I love that. That's <laughs> the thing. They, they, that's what they specialize. That was their niche, you know? There's a bunch of these companies out there. Do you these dollhouses are, you know, they sell for a grand or two. You buy little furniture for them, you know, little little armchairs and bookshelves and uh, it's ridiculous, but some people love it. It's one of those things that some people love. And, and I guess there's obviously a market for it. And there's probably a bunch of these sites out there. I don't know how big it is, but if you were that the copywriter for that niche, you'd probably be the only one in the entire world for it. So 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, that, and I think that's what it really comes down to is if the market's big enough and you're the only person that people think of, you can make, you, you basically write your own ticket. And yeah. and I'm not saying that six-figure businesses end all be all. Some people don't, you know, that's not the driving force, right? But even if all you want to do is make enough to support your family, to live the life that you want, you know, maybe you want to be able to vacation three weeks out of the month and only work, one, you know, like having a niche enables all of that kind of stuff. At least it makes it easier than, than if you're just a generic copywriter competing mm-hmm. with literally 2 million other copywriters out there. Yeah. Are they, were there specific niches that came up? Like, like if you were to rank those, are there any, like what, what was the best, the top three niches or something like that? The ones that we saw the most are the ones that people mentioned. So finance, SaaS, and tech, they were probably mentioned the most. Uh, there are quite a few people who were writing in or writing for course creators and coaches. So in that obviously makes sense. That may be as much reflective of our audience, though, as it is of the general world of copywriting. So, you know, if you went into uh, a different group, and again, we partnered with several different groups, but, you know, we're all online copywriters. So if if you were asking, um, you know, agency folks and had hundreds and hundreds of people in agencies or, you know, in-house writers, that might change just a little bit. But um, yeah. our numbers of agency and in-house writers, it was pretty small. So I, I wouldn't uh, extrapolate from that. But um, yeah, it, it's course creators, tech, SaaS, uh, finance, mm. health and wellness. Those, those are the ones that get mentioned the most. I just find it interesting that it, it's not limited to that. Yeah. I mean, agriculture is funny, man. It's like that dollhouse thing. Great? It's like this. <laughs> This thing, because it's really about the size of the market. Like, I mean, that's hard to always, you can't figure that out exactly. But I mean, if you get a bunch of sites in the space to run an ads, there's money there. And if there's money there, a copywriter can probably help make even more money from it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, when we're talking about setting prices or whatever, pricing is a story that you're telling about the quality that you deliver and, mm-hmm. and you know, how in demand you are. And so, you know, when we're thinking about setting our prices, if you can, you can tell a positive story with the low price, you know, I'm inexpensive, I'm easy to work with, um, you know, it's affordable, um, offers a good value, but it also may tell the opposite, right? Um, inexperienced, low quality, insecurity, lack of confidence, yeah, and high prices, there's a positive and negative there as well, you know. If you're high priced, maybe you have deep experience. Maybe you've got you know all of this these years of experience doing and delivering value, or maybe you're overqualified and you're expensive and hard to work with, right? Maybe you're a prima donna. Um, so you know, it, I think there's an art to setting prices. My biggest takeaway though is that you don't have to you don't have to look at what other people are making at your experience level or at your age level or even at your your um, education levels you can set your prices based on the value that you create and let that tell the story about your business. That's a really interesting point where like it's the whole, the price tells a story. Like that's a sort of nuanced kind of perspective where it's like, it's not just a price. It's like, it's so much more than just numbers and the, the, the money that they're going to give you it, it, it. It's all part of the marketing. It reinforced yeah. it, sort of it, it's kind of like it needs to be congruent probably whatever you're actually saying in the way you market yourself before you even say the price, the price needs to match up with that. So if you're like, Oh, I'm really good. I'm, you know, you're presenting this high end kind of frame and then you have a cheap price. It's like, what's going on? Like this guy's either doesn't believe in himself or he's lying about all of his experience and, you know, but so it needs to fit together. So that's part of this is like, if you're going to have a higher price, you need to, you know, your website or however you present yourself needs to come across like you're a high end kind of person. Yeah. It needs to all fit together. But that's a really good point. It's got to be a, 
got a cat beneath me. Um, so I'm sorry. Anyway, um, not happy. She's not happy with us right now. What do you want? I'm gonna have to put you out. All right, let me get her out. She's meowing and stuff. No worries. Yeah, uh, the the story that, that you tell with your prices. I mean, it does matter. Yeah. And you know, if if you want to be uh, known as the go to person, you probably do need to charge a pretty high price. It doesn't necessarily have to be the top of the market, um, but that's also going to help you attract the right clients. Uh, you know, if if a client sees that you know it it costs five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars for a sales page from John McIntyre then you know anybody who doesn't have that in their budget they're immediately going to remove themselves from your prospective client list and uh that just brings in a different set of clients and and allows you to do what you want to do with them and um, we didn't ask in our survey a lot about you know what what kind of client is it at 5000 versus 500 but you know most of us who've who've worked with those kinds of clients know that the $5000 client is often much easier to work with uh has not necessarily lower expectations um because they do expect to get their money's worth for what they what they're paying for but they have uh, they're not as needy in in you know with handholding most of the time you know they have other expectations they know that you're a professional you're going to go execute on the work, you're going to bring them the thing that you've promised. Um, and, you know, clients at that level, they generally work with other marketers, other copywriters, you know, and so they understand the process, whereas, you know, somebody at the lower end of the market maybe doesn't. Yeah, that's no, it's very true. There's like charging more. It's funny when you get into it. The first thing I did was $200 for a 10 email. Maybe it was $100 for a sales page. That's where I started, you know. And then you, over time, you judge a bit more and a bit more. You keep going and going. You, you can go up a long way. And a lot of times, it's just about asking for it. Like, you don't be confident and say it in the right way, but you realize, oh, wow, like if they get a big business and they're making 10 million or 2 million or one, you know, whatever it is, and you frame out, you sort of have to map out, well, if I give you this thing and write, you know, write this thing for it and it works, well, yeah, it's a chance it might make you 50 grand. Like, well, it's worth paying eight grand, 10 grand for whatever. For sure. Um, and then it's just about asking for it and just holding your ground, like saying your price and and not like humming and ahhing, you know, getting on. You just, I don't know, this is, this is the price. Do you want to do it or not? Um, yeah, it's funny when, when we talk about asking for it too, that I think is one of the biggest differences in why men and women tend to make different amounts of money. Women are paid less as copywriters than men. And uh, when we ran this survey the last time, a uh, year and a half or so ago, uh, Abby Woodcock took a look at some of the numbers and, you know, went through them and she's like, you know, we hear this story that men are, earn more than women all the time, but when we're freelancers and we have the ability to set our own prices, that shouldn't impact our business the way that it does, say, if you're working for somebody else and, you know, they're, they're uh, discriminating against, you know, one sex uh, versus the other. Um, but you're pointing out, you know, you've got to ask for it. And, and what a lot of experts have shown and studied, uh, there's a, a book called Women Don't Ask by Linda Babcock. And she talks about how when uh, men and women are asked to use a metaphor for the negotiation price process for negotiating salary increases and asking for raises, women compare it to going to the dentist. So it's, it's painful, right? Mm. Whereas men compare it to winning a baseball game. So it's a, it's a challenge and it might even be fun. Mm. And so because of that, and again, this is, this is where it comes back to that mindset that, that you're talking about earlier, you know, because of that, um, a lot of men go into that process thinking that they're going to have fun or it's challenged. And so it's not as scary. Uh, and, and they ask for more. In fact, they, they negotiate, I think, um, like seven, 
what, what is like 30% more um, they'll ask for raises than women do because it, again, it's a painful process. And so, um, you know, there are, again, there are cultural things here. There are societal things that are, that are keeping that from happening, that conversation. And, and women will get pushback when men don't. And so I'm not saying it's just, Hey, you've got to ask for it, but um, it is definitely part of, of the process is that, um, mm. you know, when it, when it comes to getting paid more, all of us need to ask for the money that we deserve. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's interesting too going, well, is that something biological going on? Like in terms of like men have more testosterone. So they're, they're naturally wide, which is wired in a different way, right? So we'll say different things, take bigger risks, things like that. It's not, I think, just automatic. It's not good or bad. It's just what it is. So is it is this a biological thing or is, is what's going on something more like um, – it's just a cultural thing. It's like women are raised, you know, we're all raised in a certain way and some women are raised into a certain narrative that maybe they're not meant to ask or, you know, it's interesting to unpack where does it come from? Yeah. And we didn't, you know, we didn't look at the psychographics or anything behind that. And so, you know, other than seeing things, you know, like what Abby had, had looked at the language that women use when they're talking about money or, uh, you know, some of these other books uh, that I would point to, um, I'm definitely not trying to say, oh, it's, it's all on women to ask for more, right? Like there are definitely other things going on here, but it is part of the puzzle. And, you know, if, if we're going to be paid men or women, we definitely need to ask for what we think we deserve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you, cause this is a really big thing of like people go, great. Okay. Well, I'm going to charge more, but then they go to do it and it scares them. That's why I, mean, I guess for some people it feels like going to the dentist. Like how do you, this is kind of off the topic of, of the survey, but how do you, how do you work? Well, that's a big topic too, but how do you, how do you work through that? How do you change that? Yeah. Well, so let, let's first, let's talk about like, there's three or four things that make up a price, you know, when you set a price, number one experience, we've kind of talked about how that doesn't really matter. It, it does matter a little bit because if you have no experience, somebody's not going to hire you to write like a, a multi-piece launch campaign or, or a sales page that's responsible, literally should be responsible for millions of dollars worth of sales, right? Like it takes a certain level of experience to qualify for those kinds of projects. Um, and so experience does matter, but it doesn't matter as much as we think it does. Um, the second thing, you know, there's a, there's going rate, a market rate, and it's a range for sure, but, you know, nobody is going to pay $10,000 for a single PPC ad or for a blog post, right? That's just not within the range of the market. And so you've kind of got to be within that range. You can be at the top of the range uh, as opposed to the bottom, but there's, there's still a market range. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we've talked about it already, but the value that you create, you know, if, if you can go through the numbers, you understand, you know, what the conversion rate is going to be, what the response rates are going to be, how many people you're going to get your campaign in front of, you can do the math and figure out what the dollars at the end of the funnel should look like. And, you know, when you look at that, you should be able to look at it and say, okay, well, what is five to 10% of that? Or, you know, if we use this asset that I'm creating for three or four years, what's five to 10% of that? And you may not be able to say, okay, well, I'm going to charge $100,000 for this. Uh, that's, again, outside of the market range. But you could say, I'm going to charge $20,000 for this plus a 3% commission on sales, right? And now everybody's interests are aligned. You're going to help try to improve the page because the more you improve, the more you make. The client isn't going to pay more than $20,000 if it doesn't perform. So, you know, all of that 
it goes to say, if you understand that, now we can start thinking about, okay, how do I raise my prices so that I can get to that point where I'm not just looking at a rate sheet from AWAI and saying blog post $350 or you know sales page $2,500. I'm pulling those numbers out of my head, by the way. I'm not saying that AWAI recommends those numbers, but um, we, like rate sheets, that's not a great way to set a price. And then it's just a matter of experimentation, right? So let's say the last sales page that you wrote was $3,500 and you've got a client coming in that's sort of similar. Maybe they're, maybe you're leveraging up your clients just a little bit. So you're working with slightly better clients each time you know, a, new, uh, a new client approaches you. Um, just ladder up knowing that the goal is to get to that, whatever that level is, maybe it's $20,000 just you know start going up 10 20% each time that you bid until you start having more than half of your clients push back and say it's too much and at that point you're either at that top of the market range or you need to you know look at maybe taking a percentage of sales as opposed to a straight fee and you know using uh, using some combination there to increase the fees you charge but it's nobody jumps from $100 to $10,000 or you know or more right you've got to kind of ladder up those those ladder steps don't have to be small hmm. you can make some pretty big jumps but uh it, it does take a little bit of time to experiment and get comfortable with it and i guess the other thing i would say you know when we're talking about mindset the first time that i made a pitch from stage selling you know a mastermind or whatever it was really uncomfortable it's really hard for me to say what the monthly price was you know it felt like i was asking for a lot of money by the third year or fourth year of telling people the value of this mastermind that i have <clears throat> excuse me, the cost of it, it becomes really easy because I know what it can do for people. I'm used to saying what the price is. And so it's a lot easier. So just actually practicing, talking about our prices makes a difference. Mm. The big thing that helped me was was the thing you mentioned where it's like, because it's like selling based on value. So understanding that, okay, if I give someone the sales page and they've got, you, and you, you work out, well, I would do this with them on the phone. So you literally sketch it out with them. Okay, so you're making a million bucks a year right now. You've got this much traffic, this much websites. So you need to understand conversion rates and some, some of the metrics, but you map it out with them. And you're just helping them. And this helps them, I think, see that you actually understand what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve. So you take the time, understand the numbers and go, okay, so if we're going to write the sales page, you know, what do you think is a, you know, is a good uplift? Maybe it's maybe 10% more. Okay. Well, 10% of say a million dollars, let's say if it's all going through the sales, but it's a hundred grand. So then, then you in your head, you go, okay, so if I'm going to help him make a hundred grand and he's selling an information product, which means it's 95% margin, whatever, minus the ad cost, it's probably worth it to him to spend five, maybe 10 grand on that. You know, yep. It's reasonable, you know? And then, and that, cause that's in, the, in your head, you go, so to, that five grand that he's paying you, that's not like, you're not, you're not, um, you know, taking him, taking advantage of this guy or girl like you're 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 doing him a favor you're saying give me five grand i'll give you a hundred grand and i think when you start to frame it like that in your head i think that can help get rid of some of the like the guilt and the oh i should be doing this it's like no you're actually helping them out yeah well and if you're having that conversation like you're talking about you're you're talking about all of these numbers you understand you know okay uh the ad campaign is going to get this in front of ten thousand customers we know that you know three percent of them are going to log are going to you know log into the webinar or they're going to opt into the lead magnet or they're going to you know whatever the thing like as you go down the funnel and, and work out the numbers when you see that final number and say okay this this is going to you know bring my client fifty thousand dollars for this email sequence that i just wrote uh I can charge for the eight hours that it takes me to write the sequence, or I can say of $50,000, should I ask for 8% of that, 10% of that? And knowing that they can run this campaign every Black Friday for the next three years, uh, and it's now $24,000 or, or you know, whatever the numbers are, 
understand, but, but you have to have that conversation in order to get to those numbers. And so being comfortable asking your clients for those numbers during your intake calls, during your sales calls, or during the process as you're writing this really helps you get to that uh, value that you create. And then, yeah, again, if I'm making somebody a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, even $10,000, uh, it, it helps me figure out my value and the contribution that I'm making to their business. Yeah. Beautiful. And what else? We're, we've only got five minutes left, so let's. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll give you one any... more. One yeah, more. This thing. isn't. This isn't necessarily uh, you know crazy or whatever. But uh, I actually kind of found this kind of interesting, and that is education level um, makes zero difference in what people charge. Uh, some high school, high finished high school, um, went to college, graduate school, doctorate degree. All of them are within a few thousand dollar range of each other, uh, and and that just tells you, you know, copywriting is a skill that anybody can learn. It, it is a learned skill, and you have to be good at it. But it's not dependent on your ability to, you know, pass a pass a an SAT or you know. Um, earn some kind of a certificate from a university or whatever, uh, at any skill level, as long as you can create value for your client, you can charge for, you know, the value that we create. Interesting. Yeah. And that's what I've, yeah, I've seen, I'd like, that's kind of what we talked about before. It's like, you don't, it's almost like the experience thing. It's like the things that people think matter don't, they don't matter that much. Like, yeah, you need to be good. You need to sort of know roughly what you, well, not roughly, you need to know what you're doing. You need to, you need, you need to understand sure. marketing, but that that's only like the first sort of step. The rest of it, the marketing and the positioning and where you get your clients from, the niche that you choose, all of these things are far more important. Because um, you could be you could spend ten years studying copywriting and get that stuff wrong, and you'll you'll be you know writing blog posts for a hundred bucks each if if you don't know how to do that stuff. Yeah, and you know every once in a while in in our Facebook group, you know people will say, hey, should I get a master's degree, you know, or should I go get this certification? A certification may give you confidence in what you're doing, and if that's what you know, if, if you need confidence, if you feel like you're missing something like that, go for it. But uh, it's not going to have the impact on your income that you know something like creating value for your clients has or choosing a niche has. And so, you know, if you're looking at this and saying, I'm going to spend 25 grand to get an MFA at a great university because that's going to make me a better writer. There are a lot of reasons to get MFA and to spend 25 grand, but it's not the kind of thing that you need to do to be a better copywriter. It's like that with a lot of these things, like certifications, and and obviously the people who are selling these certifications are gonna they're gonna sell it to you. They're gonna get a great copywriter and do everything they can to convince you that you need this. And if you have this certification, oh, it's gonna be so easy to get these really high paid clients. And a lot of it's a lie. It's just not that true. You don't need. I, I mean, I personally, I don't have any certification. I have no no formal training. I dropped out of high school, and it's it, none of it's. I don't feel like it's ever really made. A, no one cares. Basically, no no one's. I'm never on the phone with a client. And they're like, oh. So did you finish high school? You know, like what, what university did you, I've never had, no one even looks at a resume. Like they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff just doesn't matter. And you know, again, there are good reasons to get certifications, but most of them are internally focused. You know, if I, if I feel like, Hey, I don't really know SEO and I want to get an SEO certification. Okay, great. Go learn it, get the certificate, but don't do it because you think the client's going to be impressed by it. The client's impressed by results, by your ability to follow your process, by your ability really to help them feel trust in you, uh, to know that you're going to help them solve a problem. If you do that, almost nothing else matters. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome, Rob. It's been good, man. Good at learning about all the different, uh, sa- uh, it was a salary survey, all the different, there's some interesting things here. Yeah. Well, and 
we'll, we're going to run it again. Uh, and okay. so, you know, I'll, I'll share it with you. You can share it with your listeners and, yeah. and anybody in your group. And we'll see if we can, you know, the, the more copywriters that respond, the more dialed in, you know, we can, we can get in on this stuff yeah. and then we can share it with you again in the future. But it, yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff. It's, it's nice to see what other copywriters are charging. It's not a good way to set your prices, but it is good to see where you are relative to who else is out there. Yeah. And is this, when was the survey done by the way? So we ran it at the very end of last year, beginning of this year. And so okay. it was kind of at the end of COVID. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see our next one and how it compares, you know, yeah. as some businesses come back, uh, you know, obviously COVID was great for businesses in the e-commerce space, uh, you know, but it, horrible for businesses like in, in the hospitality space, right? So if you were a copywriter in hospitality, your income last year was down considerably versus, you know, what, what it might be up this year or next year. So we'll keep running it and, and see how things change over time. Yeah. Beautiful. Sounds good. And if people want to check, uh, check you out, check this out, I guess the survey, obviously you, your website's the copywriter club. Copywriterclub.com. Yeah. Uh, we, we are, we've made, we've actually, you know, printed and we, we share that with our underground members uh, for free, but we're going to uh, make it really easy for people to, to download the survey. We're just printing it up and getting it ready. So I don't have a URL to send to you at the moment. I can forward it to you in the next week or two. You know, if uh, this goes live before then, you can share it with whomever. But look for us at thecopywriterclub.com. There's a Facebook group for, you know, called the Copywriter Club. We'll share it in there. And we have our podcast. If you like listening to copywriters talk about their journey, uh, it might be interesting if if that's of interest. Beautiful. Cool. Well, I'll have our links to all that in the show notes at dropdeadcopy.com. Thanks for coming on the show, Rob. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks, John. Good conversation. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to become a well-paid freelance copywriter so you can live life on your terms, check out my webinar on how I get paid up to $10,000 to write simple, fun emails. And I'll even show you how I got started with no experience, no connections, and no formal writing training. To get the training, go to www.themcmethod.com slash webinar. That's www.themcmethod.com slash webinar. Yeah, I'm so proud of you.